Better Everyday Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Brad Weems. Today's guest is a 10-year gym owner. He's been featured on SportsCenter as a Drew Brees lookalike and a leader in the fitness industry in Lafayette, Louisiana. Today's guest is Jeremy Holy. How's it going, bro? It's going good, man. I, I appreciate you reaching out to have me on today. Uh, I'm excited. I like I like talking anything fitness, so uh, I'm excited to be on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, we've been back and forth for, I guess, a month now. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, scheduling this out and making it happen today. No problem, man. Thank so, you. Um, I met Jeremy a couple of years ago at Stu Brower's Self-Made Summit in Charlotte. And uh, he and I were hanging out on Saturday night at The Social. Just a real good dude. So been following him and seeing what Raging Fitness Co. has been doing since then. So I thought it'd be cool to grab him and put him on the podcast today. So Jeremy, tell everybody a little bit about you, your family, uh, you know, growing up, uh, life as a gym owner, so on. Yeah, man. So, uh, so I'm from a little town, Cecilia, Louisiana. Uh, if you don't know where that's at, look it up. It's a pretty cool little town. Uh, as soon as I graduated from high school, I moved into into the big city over here called Lafayette. You know, growing up in, in a little town, when we got to come to Lafayette, it was always a big deal. So we'd go to the mall and... You know, I just thought it was this huge place that that not many people got to, to visit from Cecilia. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I, I played sports in high school. I played football, baseball. Uh, I pole vaulted my senior year. And I was really never into working out. You know, I did it because I had to do it um, in high school. And then I, I started at UL, uh, get my undergrad to go to PT school. And my senior year, I did an internship as a physical therapy assistant, but I also did an internship as a personal trainer. And uh, probably about two, three weeks into my intern, I, I started thinking like, man, I don't think I want to go to PT school anymore. You know, more school, uh, have to take out a big loan. And I was just kind of getting bored at a, at a therapy clinic. And then I'd go to my, my intern as a personal trainer and I just I just felt a passion there and I really didn't even understand it at the time but that's what was happening so I decided to pursue personal training um, I graduated I personal trained for about a year and one of one of my buddies at the gym who was also a trainer was doing this CrossFit thing you know how that goes you everybody remembers their first CrossFit workout uh, ours was called whoop ass and it was six thrusters six pull-ups and like six burpees took me about seven or eight minutes and I threw up everywhere. And I mean, you know, coming from somebody who didn't, I wasn't really passionate about working out. I just like to be challenged and I like to compete. And I mean, that was right up my alley. So started doing CrossFit with him and uh, he talked about opening up a gym and we, we kind of did some stuff and then we decided to part ways and he opened his, I, I went ahead and, and opened my own gym, um, you know, I was really passionate about CrossFit and that's kind of what fueled me to go open my own gym. I've always wanted to work for myself. Uh, and then after a few few months of doing that, I realized like I'm really able to make a difference in these people's lives every day. And once I realized that, the passion really grew. And then fast forward, you know, 10 years later, we have a girl that lost 200 pounds and, you know, is a mom of three or four. And, you know, I have three sweet little girls and uh, hearing her story 
like she always wanted to be a cop, but she couldn't because she was really overweight. Well, she lost all this weight. Now she gets to do handstands with her kids. She's a cop now. And it just really resonated with me, man. And that's that's really what really fuels me every day is just I see firsthand like I did, we did make a difference. Our gym made a difference in this this girl's life. So, uh, so yeah, man, that's kind of my story as far as like how I opened the gym. Um, I have a beautiful wife, Miss Lindsay Holy, and three little girls, uh, six, five, and two and a half. They keep Ooh. us very, very, very busy. Kate, Caroline, and Camille. So, uh, but yeah, man, that's kind of that's kind of my story. Um, Ten years later, we're still doing our thing, and I just try to improve every three to six months, something in the gym, and just try to constantly evolve with the fitness industry, which is why you and I both ended up in in Charlotte, North Carolina together. And uh, I had previously went to the uh, Iron and Mortar Summit in Portland, Oregon, where I got to hang out with Jason Kalipa, Chris Spieler, like Miranda Oldroyd, just all these these beasts in the fitness industry. And I just feel like, and you know the same, hanging around with these people that have been there and done that, that's how you get better. So that's, that's kind of where I'm shifting my vision now is like, what can I do better? Who can I surround myself with to, to take it to that next level? Yeah, man, uh, a lot there. Um, you know, with people that I think get into fitness and start their own gyms, um, they don't realize what kind of impact they're gonna make. You know, I'm sure it's been the same for you. We've had people get married, people meet their future spouse there. Heck, I was one of them. I met my wife, she was the sixth, sixth member of the gym. And uh, I asked my business partner, I'm like, I know it's like 13% of our membership base, but can I ask this member? <laughs> and so here we are, you know. Um, but, you know, you, you, you have people that maybe were, especially after a 2020, um, that are going through something personal in life and that workout is what just completely changes their trajectory for where they're going down the road. And um, I tell people all the time, it's just such a fulfilling and rewarding opportunity that we have to, to give back to others as much as they give to us, so. Yeah, exactly, man. And you know, I remember, I remember when we, before we opened, you know, I met my girlfriend at the time and told her like you know yeah i want to i want to open this gym and she was there for me every step of the way she was in nursing school at the time and i actually managed a, a bar on friday and saturday night so um i did that while we were looking for a building and she actually my wife actually found the building we're in today it's in like a not the the fanciest part of town and when she said, let's go right down here and look, I said, I'm not going to open a gym down there. She's like, well, let's just go look. And then eight months passed and we still hadn't found anything. And then when we found this place, I was like, oh, my God, this is it. Like, I can't believe we found it. So, you know, we spent every single day here when we had time fixing the place up on our own. Of course, you know, you have those friends that are always there to help. Uh, and then I coached every class for a year from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I, I had like 14 classes from day one, which is a terrible idea. You always want to start with less classes and then add. It's a lot easier to do that than take classes away. Um, but I did that for about a year and then I finally hired my first coach and 
my wife maybe quit my bar job because it, it was easy cash money. I didn't have to pay myself at first, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I rode that horse as long as I could, but once I gave that up, that's when I saw the gym kind of grow even more. Yeah. So you're telling me you coach 14 hours a day? It, it was, we had, let's see, we had a five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. And then I had a noon class and then a 230, 330, 430, 530, 630, and a 730 class. You know, it was, and you know, like some of those, I had 20, 30 members from day one. So some of those classes <clears throat> didn't have anybody. So I would, uh, I would clean up and do stuff or hide away and take a little nap if I could. Mm-hmm. We've got so many similarities. I started as a personal trainer as well. My wife is a nurse practitioner now. I've got a four and one year old, um, and we both are striving to, to surround ourselves around people that are better in order to push us to be better. So I think that's real cool. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on today is you know I've talked you talked to the Steve Pinkertons and the Stu Browers of the world that you know are on a little bit different level, but um, it's cool to I don't know you know how it is like their social media presence is so big it's almost like they're big time you know yeah and it, that it's cool to like not that you're not big time like you're doing big things down there at region but um, it, it's cool to like just talk to someone that you know is still putting the hours and kind of came from a similar background so yeah man uh, yeah and we're we're actually you know with you know, we've been open over 10 years. Uh, I've had quite a few, quite a few gym owners reach out to me over the past, you know, six to eight months. And I've talked with Stu, I've talked with uh, my guy Boris that did my rebrand and, uh, you know, getting into consulting. We have some things coming up in the pipeline with, uh, you know, where, where our biggest focus on our business and where our success comes from really is our customer service. And that's really like the foundation for any business out there is great customer service. And it took me, you know, eight, nine years to realize it, that not everybody is good at customer service. And it's something here that we've just always done. Um, and taking that niche and helping other gym owners and other businesses figure out how to implement policies and procedures dealing with customer service is kind of where we're heading with uh, our consulting business called Talking Table Service. And it's basically where we're comparing the restaurant industry to any other service industry, especially gyms. You know, you have your, your waitress, your waiter, you have your coach, you have your menu, you have your workout. So, um, and you've heard this before from Jason Khalifa and all these other guys that you can have the level four certified coach. You can have the, the greatest workouts, but if you don't have somebody who can talk to people and, and engage in that customer service, then it's a success. It's a recipe for th- uh, failure. You know, if take uh you know mediocre workouts a coach that's kind of just starting but they're great with people they're a people person people are going to come to their class regardless you know and that's where that customer service really comes into play people will forget workouts but they won't forget about how someone made them feel or how they cared about them for sure you're 100 right um you know fitness trends change just in the 10 years that we've been in it 
CrossFit's hit its peak. It's come back down, and you know, Orange Theory's come up. Zumba's been around, but um, yeah, having someone that actually cares about you will never go out of style. Yeah, and it, and it's something here that we don't have to force. It's something that we're genuine about. You know, I really care about people. Like I, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy helping people reach goals. I enjoy hearing people's day-to-day lives. Like what what do you have going on? And um, that that really resonates with people, man. They they some people don't have anybody to talk to, you know. And uh, that's a big part of our success here. I feel like that's become even more important uh, since, you know, the, the year that we faced last year. Yeah. We all spent months in the house and uh, human interaction is only going up in value. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's kind of a good point to touch on, too. Like the way we handled COVID here, uh, the Saturday before everything closed, I think everything closed on the Wednesday. Uh, I stayed up late that Saturday night. My wife was asking me what I was up to. I said, man, I think, you know, the NBA just shut down. I think they're going to shut everything down. So I'm coming up with a plan. And my plan was if they shut us down, I'm going to let any one of my members come take any piece of equipment they want to their house. And it started, you know, we shut down. I sent this email out. We had people come in for two days straight. I spent about 10 hours at the gym each day with a tablet, writing down what people were picking up. And then once all the kettlebells and stuff were going, one person asked me like, oh, can I take one of those runners home? I said, yeah, as long as you bring it back. I said, I'll even drop it off to your house. And they thought I was joking. I loaded this $5,000 machine up, went drop it off. I put it on social media because I knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Since I did that, the messages start coming in. Man, I, I can get a rower, I can get a skier, a biker. I was like, come get it. So we, we lent out every piece of equipment that we had to probably 160 of our members. And I utilized that time, not having to move all the equipment out. We cleaned the gym from top to bottom. Everything was already out, so why not clean? So I kind of used it as something positive. Like, look, something good can come out of this. Let's clean the gym. and. You know, once things get back to normal and all of those members continue to pay their dues. Uh, and on top of that, we, we, we would record workouts for fly fit and for CrossFit. And we would uh, just post those and people were following along at home. So, yeah, I read today. Today is the one year anniversary of kind of everything going yeah. crazy. Take the NBA closed down uh, this date last year. So, yeah, March 11th. Yeah, because I think it was probably like March 13th or 15th that everything closed. Mm-hmm. Or the 12th, I don't remember. I try to forget. Yeah. It is different for every state, I'm sure. Yeah. So um, so what, what have been some of your biggest ups and downs as a gym owner? So I would say my biggest ups and downs and like my struggles and my successes all come into that rebrand that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it does. I've come to the realization that anybody going through a rebrand, you can go sit down with Jason Khalifa. You can sit down with all of these business mentors that have been through it. You can listen to what they have to say. But until you get in it and do it, you know, the stuff I listened to before and like the coaches I've had, like it helped. But you still end up making mistakes. And the only way to, to get through it is just to learn from those mistakes, you know? Like I'm sure uh, 
anyone that's done a rebrand maybe had a coach told them what to do but there were still things that went wrong you know and and the biggest thing is communication if if you don't have that communication to your members and to your staff then it's it, it you're gonna struggle and that's where a lot of my struggle came from is well they know and look i shared information with people about why we rebrand and all this stuff but there's still things that you just don't get into detail as an owner because you're like oh well everybody understands that i don't have to go out there and say that mm -hmm. when you have to explain every single detail of what you're doing and the why behind each thing um so when when we rebranded we made a lot of changes and i didn't want it just to be a logo change so you know we we stopped using chalk because of covid and we got this liquid chalk that was the biggest deal in the world like people freaked out about it but you know after a few months we had the liquid chalk we started getting some, the victory grips which are awesome those tactical victory grips we probably sold over 200 pairs since we've made our rebrand to all of our members because they work so well you don't need chalk with them you know and i and i explained this chalk, it goes somewhere. It doesn't just disappear. It floats, it gets in all, we have all our workouts on TVs now, and some very expensive speakers. Like, I don't want chalk getting in there and ruining it when we don't really need it, you know? Uh, so, one, one thing, Jeremy, so obviously I know what a rebrand is, but like for the, the average person that doesn't understand these terms, like. Uh, talk about like what that conversation with Boris looked like and what exactly it means to rebrand. Okay, so first off, I'm gonna give my boy a plug because he is the best ever. Uh, Boris owns Metcon Creative. He's based out of Australia. And basically he was supposed to be at the self-made summit, but he couldn't make it. So my first rule of business when I got back was I, I messaged him this big long message about why I wanted to rebrand. I've been wanting to do it for two or three years. Um, and we hopped on a call and we basically took my business from Raging CrossFit to Raging Fitness Company. And the reason behind that was we don't own the name CrossFit. So if, and, and, I, and I've said it for years, if Greg Glassman ever does something crazy, then the name CrossFit is tied to my business and lo and behold, what happened. So uh, I've been wanting to do because of that reason, but also we're no longer just a CrossFit gym because we started a program called FlyFit about three years ago. Um, we have individual design, personal training, nutritional counseling. So just calling our gym CrossFit was doing ourselves kind of a disservice as well as any potential members because the stigma that that word CrossFit holds is real. Mm -hmm. And perfect example, one week after we rebranded, I got three or four ladies that came sign up because they didn't want to do CrossFit anymore. And they saw we weren't CrossFit anymore. When they signed up, they were pretty much doing CrossFit. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, so the, the rebrand was basically taking my business model and expanding it to be like more of an umbrella. Like we have Rage and Fitness Company now. And within that Rage and Fitness Company, we have FlyFit and we have Go60, which are our two main offerings that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Boris and I got on a, a Zoom call for about three hours. 
and he just asked me a ton of questions, uh, most of them very uncomfortable questions about, you know, being realistic about what your business is like, what, why do you do it, you know, and just like really dug deep all the way down to the my town, like the, the colors of our college football team. And he took all of these this information and created a brand around it. And when I tell you it was just spot on, the, the second go around, because the first stuff he sent me was, he'll tell you it was not good at all. Like he'll, he'll, he'll tell you. <laughs> he actually said it on a podcast with Stu. Uh, but you know, that's, that's how these things work. You know, he sent me something. I was like, look, this is not really what I want. This is kind of where I'd like to go with it. And he just knocked it out of the park on the second round. Yeah. Uh, so what changed, uh, obviously logo changed, but when you did this rebranding, like if, uh, I walk in as a member on Friday, and then you, I saw you on the team. You did all these changes to the facility over the weekend. So, like Monday, how was my customer experience different than Friday? So, so now the way we have it set up, we have an app. So we have our own branded app where you actually book your own spot. We took our entire pull-up rig out. I sold it, and we installed these individualized stations from PRX where these rigs fold on and off the wall. So instead of six foot of lost space underneath that rig, six feet wide by a hundred feet long, you clear up all of that floor space. So like now when we have a barbell, a box and a rower, everything fits perfectly because these rigs, you don't have all this lost space on the floor. So when you walk in now, you've booked your spot. So when you go on the app, you book spot 12, there's a diagram of our gym where the TVs are, the fans. So, you know, when it's hot, people like to book that spot next to the fan. Mm -hmm. So they walk in now and they have their spot there. Your equipment's there for you. Everybody has a barbell at their station. Everybody has a, a weight tree with a set of weights at their station. So on days where we do strength now, you never have to share a squat rack with anybody. You can you can program workouts where we go from the rack. And uh, the biggest takeaway is it makes coaching so much easier. Having those individualized spots, knowing where each person is. Um, so when you do this pick a spot model, is that because of COVID and trying to space people out or to run a more efficient class or to optimize operational capacity? So it started, um, you know, my wife told me not to say I've been wanting to do this, so but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, I have wanted to do this for two, three years before COVID. I just never knew how or when or like, how do you go about doing that, you know? Um, and then when COVID came around, I was like, okay, this is the perfect opportunity for me to, to do my, my spots like I've always wanted. I've always said, when I walk in this door, I want it to look like a college weight room. Everything has a spot, everybody has a squat rack. So COVID kind of was the catalyst that, that helped me pull it off. Uh, but it, it's something that I've always had in the back of my mind. Like you get to, you get to the gym and all your equipment's there for you. Um, you know, when people, when people sign in ahead of time and let's say, I know Miss Julia doesn't jump on a 16 inch box. She uses two plates. 
I'll go, okay, Ms. Julia's coming to my class. I'll go ahead and set up her plates for her so she don't have to mess with it. Uh, or if somebody, it's a running day and I know somebody has a hurt ankle and they can't run, I'll go grab a bike out of the fly fit room and put it in their spot. And that all adds to that customer experience, you know? Um, it's like if you show up at a restaurant and they have your favorite drink waiting for you whenever you sit down. Love it, yeah. Same thing. Um, that That's awesome. So you, one uh, analogy or uh, comparison I heard forever ago was, you know, you, you have a CrossFit competition. I know you've had some massive CrossFit competitions before. Yeah, we also put on the Raging Games every year. So Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when you have these CrossFit competitions or the Raging Games, you're setting this floor up and this whole competition up for people that you might see once a year, once every three years, or maybe just once in a lifetime. So why would you not do that for your customer on a daily basis that's paying you monthly for your membership? You know? Yeah. And I see, I, I really do think also that my my want for this this model and this system comes from, you know, we were in business for not even a year and I, I put on my first competition. You know, I opened my gym. Nobody else was putting on CrossFit competitions in Louisiana. So I jumped on it and uh, I did it at my gym here. 60 people showed up. And then the next year, we ended up having 200 competitors at a venue we rented out. And it's turned into something just, you know, 300 plus competitors, 1,000 spectators, and just, uh, you know, that setup that we go through over there is so meticulous on everybody has a spot. So that that's a very good analogy. I never really thought about it like that. So you keep talking about this fly fit program. Let's talk about that. And um, let's talk about why you wanted to start it. Yeah, so um, probably about three, four years ago, uh, Orange Theory came to town. And I had a couple women that were still doing CrossFit, but um, there's a few days I didn't see them. And after a few weeks, I was like, hey, where, where y'all been on Tuesday, Thursdays? Oh, we, we started going to Orange Theory for some extra cardio. And I had been playing with the idea of offering something like a boot camp or, you know, something like just like everybody else wants to do a, a burn class or a boot camp or whatever it is. And I told them, there's like three or four of them. I said, if I started something here like that, would y'all attend that instead of Orange Theory? And they were like, well, yeah, we'd much rather come here. So I started thinking, you have Orange Theory, they have treadmill, a water rower, some dumbbells, and TRX straps. With the CrossFit clientele, they're not going to go to Orange Theory, not many of them, because it's, it's a boot camp or it's for girls, whatever, whatever. So... I was like, well, if I can utilize these CrossFit style machines and instead of only getting two of them, do all four, the bike erg, ski erg, rower, and air runner, then you're going to get better results, but you're going to work a little bit harder. And that's the clientele that I like. I like that clientele that doesn't want to just go to the gym to say they went and go walk on a treadmill or do whatever. I want them to come put in some work. So, um, uh, me and a buddy of mine, uh, he actually came up with the name FlyFit. Uh, he's one of the top ranked rowers in the world on Concept2's website. Um, big old boy. And uh, he, he kind of helped me get FlyFit off the ground. And, uh, you know, it's grown ever since then. We, we started out very small for, I want to say, a year and a half. We only did two days a week. 
it was just Tuesday, Thursdays. It was, you know, not very expensive. And I worked the kinks out for two years. And uh, just recently we expanded the room and it's kind of really turning into its own thing. You know, looking at Steve's stuff at Evo Fit, uh, you know, listening to him talk at the, the summit, it really showed me how when we saw his numbers as far as like, this is where CrossFit and Evo Fit were and this is where they are now. And it, I come kind of seeing that happen here too. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So unlike yourself, we did more of what Stu calls a reposition here at Thunder Valley. So we were Thunder Valley CrossFit. We started working with Steve. We did kind of what he did over at Vitality, which is um, we had our own Evo Fit program, which is uh, Thunder Valley Fit Club. We changed our name to Thunder Valley Fitness. And then of uh, October in 19, we started our burn program, which was the same thing, two, two rower, two uh, air runners, two ergs, two bike ergs, and then body weight movements. So it looks, it sounds like your fly fit is more of a mashup of what our fit club and burn is. So like, what would it, uh, like what's today's workout at fly fit? Just to give people an idea of what that looks like. Today's more of just a, a longer cardio piece is a 10 minute uh, bike, or no, a 10 minute run on the air runner. A two-minute break, ten-minute row, and then uh, just some foam rolling and some mobility after. Cool. So more of just like a longer aerobic day, and then some days we, we hit more intensity, some days we hit more bodybuilding style stuff. So it's a good it's a good mix of everything. I know that torpedo is like one of your key pieces in that program, right? Yeah, we utilize that. We we do have some uh, some TRX straps and you know dumbbells, kettlebells. Just no barbells, no kipping, no jumping. Cool, cool. So uh, you're obviously uh, a husband, father of three, ten year gym owner, but probably best known for being Drew Brees' lookalike. Am I correct in saying that? Oh yeah, man. I, I still I go to birthday parties and stuff, and people are like, "What's up, Drew?" <laughs> so for our listeners, like, just give a little background of what I'm talking about, uh, how you kind of went viral, and how you eventually met Drew Brees. So, probably about 12, 13 years ago, one of one of my best friends, uh, he's a lawyer here in town, Chaz Roberts. He sent me the picture and I still have it. It, it was it was a picture of me with somebody else that he kind of cut out. Now this was quite a quite a long time ago. So the whole Photoshop and all of that stuff, like he he went in, I don't even know how he did it, but he cut the, the, the person out of the picture with me and drew me this little is like a little brown square on my face. And then uh, he put it a side by side with Drew Brees. He's like, man, you look just like Drew Brees. And that's when Drew first came to, to New Orleans. So whatever, kind of a few people would say it here and there. And then uh, I dressed up like Drew Brees for Halloween one year and people went crazy. They were like, and not many people knew Drew Brees yet. Um, and then for the Super Bowl is actually where I met my wife uh in new orleans she's from new orleans and uh, she actually went to school in lafayette crazy story and we met on bourbon street in new orleans when the saints won the super bowl but it was that day i wore my my jersey i took hundreds of pictures on bourbon street with people and i started saying that he was my uncle 
I was like, yeah, it's <laughs> big deal, you know, getting free drinks. And, uh, but yeah, I met my wife that day. The Saints won the Super Bowl. And then, um, you know, four or five years later, we ended up getting married on the same day that the Saints won the Super Bowl on February 7th. And it just ended up falling like that. So mm-hmm. uh, crazy story there. But um, so I guess let's say, what, 10 years later, my buddy and I, uh, two, two football seasons ago, we had been trying to link up to go to a game together. He has season tickets. So when Halloween rolled around, I was like, look, let's go to the Halloween game and I'm going to dress like Drew Brees. You dress up like Sean Payton. And he said, well, if we're doing that, I'm getting some front row tickets. So he he uh, he invested in some front row tickets. And from the time we stepped out of the vehicle, it took us like an hour just to get to the stadium because people were stopping to take pictures. And then, uh, you know, not two, three minutes in the stadium watching them practice, Kamara was hurt. And Alvin Kamara walks out and he starts pointing at me and laughing. And then as soon as the game started, uh, a lady comes down from CBS or NBC, whatever, and was like, hey, I heard her tell my buddy this. She's like, tell your friend he was just featured on CBS uh, as a Drew Brees lookalike. And from there on, my phone just started going crazy. I mean, it was on national television. And then a few hours later, a bar stool picked it up and posted it. Um, Then it was on SportsCenter for a few days and on the news. And it was just, it was kind of crazy. Uh, and I did a news interview that Monday and then the, the Wednesday, the guy that did the interview calls me and he's like, Hey, uh, so Drew Brees opened up, uh, a kid's facility called surge. And he was coming into Lafayette that day to, to check it out and do some stuff. And he was like, would you want to meet him? It's like, of course I want to meet him. (laughs) Uh, so they lined it up, man. And I got to go hang out with him and, uh, just one of the most nicest, most humble guys. He was genuinely happy to meet me. Mm-hmm. You know, saw me. He he had to know, like, man, what did you used to do the birth mark? Um, but it, it was pretty cool. He, he wanted to take a selfie with me, and it, it was a pretty good day. That's cool, man. Awesome yeah. story. And then, like, you uh, you went to a couple more games after that moment, right? Yeah, yeah. We probably we went to just about every home game after that, and. Uh, you know, we, we sat in that front row and we got on TV. We, we were on TV every single game after that. Uh, we'd make these signs and uh, got to got to be, get tied with Jermon Bushrod, who was an old Saints player. Him and I still kind of talk on, on Instagram. And Thomas Morstead came came BS with us on one game. So it, it was cool, man. We, we actually bought tickets to go to Green Bay. And then we lost in that playoff game and didn't get to go. So, yeah. Bummer. Um, yeah. And that's an awesome story. I'll, I really like that. Um, hopefully, the NFL will look a little more normal come this August and we can get you back there to the stadium. Yeah, man. I'm, this, this is probably Drew's last year. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's still hanging on. So, so your buddy that wanted to invest in these front row tickets to like he want anything in return what you like went famous no no man he, he I, I did as soon as they said that i can go meet drew i made sure he's the first person i called them. i was like hey we gotta do it and he's an orthodontist so uh he was like well shit, i got patience let me see what i can do <laughs> anybody that um 
you know, you tell them, hey, I got, I got a chance to meet Drew Brees this afternoon. Yeah. They're going to make it work. Which yeah. I, I, thought, yeah. I remember hearing on a podcast or something, you were saying that you were supposed to coach all that night. And, like, it was even, like, problematic for you to make it happen, right? Yeah. So uh, they, they called me, and I was supposed to coach that afternoon class. And you could ask any of my employees. I'm not the type of boss to call somebody and tell them they have to work. Like, I've never been like that. I, I'm pretty lenient when it comes to that stuff. And I called my, my, my boy Max, and I was like, hey, this is the deal. I'd never tell you you have to, but I'm asking you, please head to the gym right now because I got a, I got a chance to meet Drew Brees. And he, he was excited, so he had no problem with it. Um, that's cool. But, but yeah, man, it, it was just throughout the whole, the whole process of that whole season, I was really going through some growing pains here with a lot of stuff. So it was really tough to balance, you know, going to a game on a Sunday night and then coming to coach the 5 a.m. class the next morning. You know, it was, uh, it was interesting, but we made it. No doubt. Um, now, like I was saying earlier, uh, Jeremy and I met over in Charlotte, and then kind of another crazy story is that that week the weekend we met you had a crazy week leading up to that let's talk about that man oh my, my appendix yeah so you're all set to go to charlotte and all of a sudden you're feeling rough what middle of the week yeah yeah the, uh, i think i was supposed to leave the i was gonna leave the wednesday and then go work out at those different uh, like Barry's and all these different places on Thursday and Friday. And then the seminar didn't start till Saturday. So that I believe is that Monday, my stomach just wasn't feeling right all day. And uh, that night at about 10 o'clock, I still hadn't eaten. I told my wife, I said, look, I'm gonna sleep on the sofa. Something, something's not right. I'm, I'm probably gonna throw up. And then come two in the morning, like, I'm laying there with tears because I'm in so much pain and it, I lasted till about 4 a.m. And I went and wake my wife up and I was like, hey, some, something's up. I think I might have to go to the hospital. I don't know if your wife's like this being a nurse, but she was like, oh, just like, you know, go put some ice on it. Yeah. Uh, go eat something. I'm like, no, I, I can't even stand up all the way. So we went to the hospital. They did emergency appendix surgery and uh, the, the doctor and the, the nurse I told him I had a trip scheduled to leave Wednesday. And this was a, a Monday, I believe, or Tuesday. And they, they started laughing. They're like, oh, you, you're not going on your trip. I said, no, I'm definitely going on my trip. Like, I, I've planned for this. Like, I have goals I need to meet. Like, with my rebrand, I wanted to go meet these people. I said, I have to go. So I did the surgery, woke up. First thing I asked the doctor, I was like, hey, what if I go on my trip, but I I leave a few days later. Like maybe I'll leave Friday instead of Wednesday. He said, well, you can't carry your luggage. You can't do nothing. I said, I'll wear what I have on and buy clothes out there. Like I need to go on this trip. So I explained to him how important it was. He said, look, I'll allow you to go. You cannot pick up anything over five pounds. You have to get help with your luggage, blah, blah, blah. So uh, yeah, man, I ended up going like two days after my surgery, got on the plane. Obviously I couldn't work out. Uh, but I kind of felt like Dwight off of the office. I don't know if you ever saw that, if you watched the office, but my, my wife said, you remind me of Dwight when he had his appendix out on that, that episode. So, uh, Funny. 
Yeah, man, it, it was it was just something like I knew I needed to go to complete the process of what I had been working on for my rebrand. And there was just some people I needed to meet out there to, to make that happen. So well, I'm glad you did, man, because here we are talking today. And yeah, yeah man, we would have never even met. You know? There you go. Um, I'm going to be teaching our burn class here in about uh, 12 minutes or so, but I do want to ask you one question before we hop off. Uh, yeah, obviously, you're surrounding yourself around people that you look up to and you want to get better from. What other what other ways are you, uh, you know, it can be professionally or just as a person, how, how are you getting better every day? So to be honest, man, this, this consulting uh, venture that we're going on is really helping my business. Uh, just because it makes me practice what I preach. And, you know, every every client that we get that we work with about, you know, customer service and it just makes us that much better. So I feel like this new venture that we're doing with Talking Table Service uh, is just gonna exponentially make our gym better as well as help so many others in a different avenue. You know, like instead of health and fitness and phys making those physical changes, we're able to help these gyms better their services in turn that's going to help them create a better customer experience and a better lifestyle for all of their clients. So uh, I'm really focusing on that right now. And uh, just in the few months that we've been doing it, uh, it's, it's made our, our business a lot better as well. So are you only working with gyms? No. So, uh, you know, there's a very hard parallel from the restaurant industry to anything in the service industry. So, you know, we have a gym, but we are getting people are reaching out from real estate agencies, restaurants, stuff like that to, for us to kind of work with them. Because um, at the end of the day, like I said, that customer service is just that's that's the base and the foundation of your entire business. And if you can if you can dial that in then the other stuff will just kind of fall into place. 100% bro. Um, let's talk about how people can learn more about you, uh, maybe all your handles and you know, your new service that you're offering if people want to check you out. Yeah, so so my, my personal Instagram is just Jeremy Holy, Jeremy H-O-H-L-E. And then uh, we have our, our gym, which is Raging Fitness Co. And then uh, our new venture, which is Talking Table Service. Uh, we're putting out a ton of free content there just uh, about communication preparation and just how to run a successful business treating the clients like you're supposed to um, so those are the three things we have going now and then also um, the raging games is going to be coming up in probably september this year we're waiting on the the date for that in the venue we had to cancel it last year because of covid but uh that's something that's been really big for us uh extra revenue and just to kind of share like what we know with with all of the gyms around um so you can follow us on the raging games too and if anybody wants to hit up a really cool competition around september october check us out and message us if you have any questions awesome jeremy thanks for hopping on today man yeah dude I, like i said i really appreciate you having me on and uh we need to do this again in a couple months Heck yeah, man. Sounds good to me. Listeners, I appreciate you guys uh, jamming with us for a little bit, and we'll be catching up with you next week. Thanks. All right, man. I appreciate you. Thank you.